All right, guys, welcome to my very first real solo cast on this podcast. It's been a minute. It's been a little long time coming, but I thought it would be nice to share a little bit of me and my background and my story with you guys. And then that my intention of this episode today is to provide some hope, some hope if you're coming from wherever you're coming from and wherever you're headed in your life, because I have a I have been the underdog. I have been through some crap and I wanted to share. Some of you may not know, really know me at all. Some of you may have heard me on other podcasts or heard bits and pieces of the story, but really I wanted to have a place where I share where I've come from and and how I got to where I am now and hopes that something in there might be of value to you guys in your own journeys. Um, I just have to say before I get started, thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you. If you follow me on social, if you comment on my posts, if you send me messages, I love and appreciate you guys so much and I respect you so much. And I just had to say that. So thank you for being here and being part of this crazy journey with me. Um, now I'm not going to go into details of my whole life story, but I am going to give you some nuggets. Okay. So <laughs> back when I was born, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but to give you some framework, you know, I know a lot of people sometimes see me on social media and they're like, oh, it's this like fit chick who's like probably been like that forever. She was probably an athlete, you know, um, <laughs> people ask myself, like, were you a cheerleader? Were you an athlete? I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay. So I grew up very poor. I was the youngest of five kids. I had a single mom who I love my mom to death. Um, very good woman, very resilient woman, um, very intentional teacher loved us very much. And she also struggled a lot in her own personal life. And, um, has what I would say un undiagnosed mental health issues for sure. Okay. So this was, I, sometimes I hate to say it because she's so, she was so in denial of it. My mom is actually in a, in a nursing facility now. Um, she has pretty progressed dementia, um, after a stroke, um, in early 2020, but, um, she was always very much in denial that she had mental health issues because her parents died, um, in a, in a tragedy that was inflicted by her dad because of his mental health issues. And I, I think that that created a block for her to ever accept that about herself. So me being the youngest of five kids, um, of a single mom with pretty intense mental health issues, which I think is some form of schizophrenia was very hard <laughs> in a lot of ways. Obviously I had good times in childhood too, but at home it was almost unbearable sometimes. I'll put it that way. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of poverty. Um, my mom would sometimes just check out and leave. Um, I think, you know, she was doing the best she could to handle that kind of stress along with the stress that she already experienced in her own mind, but it left us, you know, I definitely grew up fending for myself. Um, my mom actually called me before her stroke. It was like six months before and apologized for me being on my own my whole life, you know? And I was like, oh my God, mom, please don't like feel bad. Like I get it. You know, I have compassion on that. I think she did the absolute best she could. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was, brutal. You know, I, I was one of those kids that like, if you donate food, like I was one of those kids, you know, we didn't have food. Sometimes we didn't have heat. We didn't have air conditioning. Um, we only had a roof of our heads because our church paid our rent for my whole childhood, which they don't do that anymore. So if you're looking for a handout, they don't do that anymore, <laughs> but I was, I'm grateful for that. Um, uh, my dad was in the picture, but he was every other weekend, you know, typical eighties, nineties model paid his child support, but it was very little, you know, so, and I don't think he really realized how bad it was at home. Um, you know, to give you a kind of a few examples, 
I just, I'm telling you this because I want you to know, like, if you've been through painful experiences um, in your life in which you feel somewhat victimized by that, I'm telling you that at least for me, every single one of those things, I look at them as one of the greatest gifts I've been given. I've learned so much strength, so many lessons, so much wisdom through going through difficult things. But, you know, as, as an example, most of my life, we didn't have heat in our house. Um, I grew up in Virginia. Um, somebody's going to ask just South of Richmond. Um, and so like we had a kerosene heater in our kitchen and that was it. So you'd wake up freezing, you go get the gas from the side of the house, the kerosene from the side of the house, you fill up the kerosene heater, turn it on and stand there and wait until you can like defrost next to that thing. You know, um, we didn't have air conditioning. We had one air conditioner in our kitchen window for the whole house. And, um, one year it broke and my mom could not afford to fix it. Apparently my dad couldn't afford to help her. The landlord wouldn't help her. Nobody would help. So we spent an entire, it was actually, um, a record breaking heat. It's still the record breaking heat in Virginia. And if you've lived somewhere humid, when there's record breaking over hundred degree heat plus humidity, it's pretty freaking unbearable. And that was our whole summer. So, I mean, you know, just as an example, we would, we would open the windows in our living room and all six of us would sleep on the floor and cause that's the coolest we could get. But I remember one night waking up and my whole body was like swollen. I could just feel my, everything was swollen. Um, and I just started crying. <laughs> I just, it was just so much. It was just so much for so long, you know, and I honestly, I was scared I was going to die. We were seeing things on TV of like in Ohio, all these old people were dying because of this record breaking heat wave. And I was like, I remember I just went into the bathroom, turned the shower on cold and just stood there. And so I started doing that. That became my method of cooling down. So I was doing cold showers way before y'all probably, <laughs> um, and you know, then you get out and you're just hot and wet still, you know, but um, when I was in high school, I was the youngest one left. My mom still struggled with money. I remember there was, there was like a, one of those discount grocery stores where they sell the stuff that's like almost expired. And within it was called the salvage barn. And within the salvage barn, there were boxes, big boxes of unlabeled cans of food. Like the labels had been ripped off or I don't know. And some of them were probably expired or almost expired, but they, and they said not for human consumption, and they were $5 for this huge box. And so my mom would buy those because they le legally, they couldn't sell them for human consumption without labels. Um, and so we would, that's what I lived off a lot. The, my last two years of high school was we would literally like shake the cans of food to try to figure out what was in it. And you just open it up and you just ate whatever you got. And um, I'm giving you those examples so you can kind of see like, oh, by the way, I was always chubby uh, growing up. I was, uh, um, how do I put this? I'm trying to share these things in the most sensitive way that I can for other people involved, but I was um, definitely uh, emotionally and physically tormented by my old, oldest brother who couldn't bear the weight of basically being in charge while my mom was gone a lot. And I was also um, sexually molested my whole childhood by a family member. And so I think the I mean, I don't, I didn't remember ever feeling victimized by it except for the physical and, and mental uh, stuff, but like, I, I don't know, probably led to me overeating, becoming chubby, uh, the scarcity of food when I could get it, it was like, oh my gosh, there's food and eat as much as you can while you got it as the youngest of five kids in a house with food scarcity. So, um, uh, 
little, little more in childhood, just to give you a little gist. Cause I'm, I'm, there's a point and I, and I, and I hope that the things that I've been through, um, open up possible ideas for you and the hard things that you go through. Cause we all go through hard things. I feel like the universe has gifted me a bunch of very common traumas, very common, um, difficult things. And there's also gifted me with these beautiful paths out of it because I like to share. That's how I like to look at it. <laughs> it's like, okay, she'll share. She'll be able to overcome this and she'll share about it. So give it to her. <laughs> That's how I look at it. I truly do have grateful gratitude for all these things. I'm at this point in my journey. I didn't always, <laughs> but I do now. Um, the other side of things was at school, school was the only safe place for me growing up. Home was hell. Home was chaos and it was dirty and uncomfortable and lack of food and just abuse. And, you know, even my mom, even though she was so wonderful in so many ways, she would, you know, blame me for things that I weren't even happening, you know, yelling at me for accusing me of things I wasn't doing at all. And, you know, it was just, it was hard. It was people talk about home being like a refuge. That was not, it was hell. It was everywhere else was better than home, you know? So, um, when I went to school, it was like, wow, it's like clean here and I know what to expect. And there's like organization and rules and (laughs) food. And, um, I just loved it. I just loved it. And I do think one of the things I was gifted with was intelligence. I'm not saying I'm the smartest person ever, but, um, enough intelligence to be able to, uh, pull myself out of my situation. Um, so in school, what was really interesting was I was like this academic superstar at school. I was involved in everything, which I think subconsciously was probably because it was better to be involved with clubs and all these different activities than be at home. Right. So, I mean, as an example, in high school, I was the newspaper editor. I was the honor society president, the Spanish honor society president. I was the student that they picked for all the leadership conferences. I, you know, got a ton of awards when I graduated. I was the show choir captain and embarrassingly, I admit I did color guard the flags and the marching band when I was the captain of that and just everything, you know, so I was this, um, I was excelling in my school life completely independently, by the way, my parents were not involved in this at all. Um, my mom was always like, wow, okay, great. <laughs> Good job, Tara. Um, and I look back at that and I, I, you know, I think there is on the one hand, I really enjoyed being in an environment in which I could thrive because I didn't really feel like that at home. And at the other, on the other hand, I do think I'm just somewhat wired that way. It's very fun for me to see what I'm capable of. Um, I like doing my best. It's fun. It literally is just fun for me. Right. So it was really interesting to be this, you know, honors, AP academic involved superstar kind of in school. And at home, it's like, we don't have air conditioning and it's chaos and abuse and neglect. And, you know, so it was very, interesting upbringing. Um, the last part of my upbringing, then I'll shift over onto all the more current stuff is I was raised Mormon or LDS. And I'm, I'm, I'm being as sensitive as I can because I don't have any beef with anybody in the Mormon church and I don't want to offend anyone. And I honor everybody's journey to go the way that they choose to go in life. Um, for me, I became very identified with this religion. And for me and my experience, I can recognize now that I completely shut off my brain. I completely went into the matrix in school, in religion. It was just like, you tell me what to do and I will do it. Okay. That's the path. Okay. Let me go. I will thrive in this path that you laid out for me, you know, and I kind of shut off my critical thinking capacity. I shut off my questioning. It was just like, nope, 
you should do that and you should feel like this and this is the right way, you know? And I just became this like ultimate people pleaser, ultimate, like of everyone I worked with, I have never seen a people pleaser worse than I was. I mean, it was just like, I didn't even ask myself my opinion on most things. It was just like, yep. Okay, sure. That's the way you're supposed to do it. You know? And I think part of it was because my home life was so chaotic that I developed this pattern and belief that everybody else has it figured out better than what I'm being exposed to. So just learn how other people think and do things. And then you can get out of this mess, <laughs> you know? And so it led to this, like, I'm wrong. Everyone else has it figured out right kind of mentality. Um, I uh, ended up going, moving to Utah to go to Brigham Young University, the Mormon college. I loved being Mormon. I didn't, I loved it. I didn't have any issues with it at all. Um, I got married when I was 20 years old after my sophomore year, ended up, you know, graduating from Southern Utah University. We moved down there after we got married and I had four kids. Okay. So here I am for a decade. I was the stay at home mom with my four kids, which I'm grateful that I was able to do with them. I will admit for me, it was very difficult um, on a personal level to not as a, someone who loves creating and achieving and, you know, having personal goals and things like that. It was, it was hard. It was very hard on me. Um, I felt I, I did the best that I could with it. I definitely, you know, it's <laughs> probably a little overachiever as a mom in some ways and had some people pleasing tendencies too, but that was a hard decade for me for sure. Um, towards my 30. So I had my youngest right before I turned 30. And in my early thirties, I'm 39 now, by the way, um, in my early thirties, that's when, let's see, um, I don't know when this was 2015, 2014, 2014, 2014. Um, I had some somewhat devastating, news in my marriage. And my ex-husband has told me that I can share this if I also share something else, which I respect and totally agree with him. Um, he told me that he had been addicted to pornography our entire marriage. And, um, for me at that time, I like, I look back at it now and I'm like, sorry, Mormon people, but I'm like, what Mormon dude isn't addicted to pornography. It is so rampant. And they're all like sitting in shame and guilt. And it's horrible because there's so much repression around sexuality and, uh, I won't get into that too much, but, um, at the time I went into, that's okay. We can heal this. But deep inside, I wasn't addressing any of the issues that I was having any, I wasn't even admitting to myself really how I was feeling. I had become very skilled at that of not being in touch with my own emotions. You know, this is how I should be. I should be the supportive wife through this, you know? <laughs> so, um, that is what catapulted my fitness journey. So I share that openly because um, man, I'm just so grateful how it all happened because I have so much context for so many people that I'm helping. Um, but for me, it was totally born out of this place of not enough. I wasn't attractive enough for my husband. I got to fix this. Oh, by the way, the part that he wanted me to tell about the pornography addiction thing is that, yes, he wanted me to emphasize if I tell this part of the story that the restriction of the pornography itself, the guilt and shame around pornography of you're a bad person, you shouldn't do this, drove him to do it more. And I 100% agree with that. I That's how I coach people out of alcohol and um, overeating, binging stuff. It's the restriction and the self-judgment and the shame and the guilt. We've actually seen data that people get a dopamine hit off of shame and guilt. How interesting is that? So it makes that reward even higher from a chemical standpoint. 
<laughs> not to mention you're spiraling yourself down into this low vibe energy. So when you're in low vibe energy, what do you do? You make low vibe choices. So he's like, as he's healed through that, and he really, he went through a whole, like basically AA for, uh, porn <laughs> and also just a lot of healing. Um, fast forward, we're going to get out of the church and getting out of the church and getting out of all these stories helped him get past that. So just sharing. But for me, you know, I had not done any work at all. I was just in this, I'm not good enough and I got to get good enough so I can solve this problem for him. <laughs> That's where I was at guys. So, um, I became obsessed. I became obsessed. Um, and I started working out every day and, and lifting weights and fixing my nutrition. And, and what's interesting about it is like, this is why, like when people say you got to have a strong why, I'm like, even if you're wise on healthy, that'll work too. It just is not going to bring you into a real great place. But if <laughs> a really strong why, even an unhealthy one will really drive action. <laughs> so um, for me, I started lifting weights. And even though I did have an unhealthy motivation, you know, not enoughness, I got to prove my value. I got to prove my worth and all these stories. At the same time, nothing is like that simple. Nothing is like just one thing is happening in your life at that time. There's a whole bunch of things happening. Anybody who's been through a trauma knows there's also a bunch of beautiful stuff that happens in your life at that time, you know? And for me, it was like, I would also fell in love with the human body, like learning that I could have such an impact on how I felt and that if I ate a certain way and lifted weights into these things, I could completely change my body and how I felt every day. That was fascinating to me. I became super nerdy. My nerdy overachiever honor society president side came out and I was just like, what? Wait, so where are the biceps? Like, where do they start and where do they end? And like, oh my gosh, like, wait, there's different ways you can challenge your muscles. Different things happen. There's strength and there's hypertrophy. And like, what? Wait, what's a deadlift? What are they doing? What are those people doing? Why are they doing that? Oh, there's this thing called a kinetic chain and they're working their posterior chain. Wow. Wow, you know, I just became super obsessed. I was like, this is super cool. I found a new hobby. I found something that lit me up. And also it was, you know, I had that unhealthy motivation, but I also had this like just mind-blowing curiosity and fascination with the human body at the same time. And not only that, but when I got the nutrition unlock, which took me about eight months of consistent lifting before I finally got the nutrition on guys, but when I got the nutrition on lock and it just started eating basically real foods in case you're curious, it was yes, very much like a bodybuilder style diet, but it was the most real food I had ever eaten in my life. I'm eating chicken and vegetables and potatoes and sweet potatoes. And, you know, um, not to mention higher protein, which I have to highlight for just a second in the story because eating more meat, especially it was a lot of poultry, you know, but also other meats eating it. I know now that the tyrosine that helps you build dopamine, not to mention all the weightlifting that helps you build dopamine and the BDNF that happens in your brain from exercise and weightlifting matched with more tyrosine for the dopamine. I know that that led to part of my awakening process that I'm about to tell you about. So super grateful for that. I look back at that now and I'm like, oh yeah, you're getting way more dopamine than you had ever had in your life, girlfriend. <laughs> dopamine will cause you to feel driven, alert, awake, um, higher executive functioning, uh, more questioning. You know, it's a more of a leadership energy that you'll be in. Like, yes, I can do this. I can go after life. I can see things as they are. I can make quick decisions, all that kind of stuff. So, all right. So in this journey, here I am now I have become fit AF. Okay. Uh, I'm fast forwarding about a year and a half. I'm like, people are like, what? 
I've gone from probably about 40% body fat, somewhere pushing it probably to 11% body fat when I finally did a DEXA scan. Okay. And built a lot of muscle. So it was a tremendous change in like a year and a half. I really overachieved it guys. I really did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had no idea. I was that lean by the way. I don't recommend anybody, any women get that lean. I didn't lose my period in case anyone's wondering, but you definitely don't need to be that lean as a woman. Um, okay. So now here I am in this journey and what I noticed was I was becoming way more confident. Not, it wasn't just from how my body looked. It was my, the way my brain was operating. My brain was like on, I felt like for the first time in my adult life, my brain was like all the way on. Um, I became more questioning, more, you know, observant of life. Just like, Hmm. I had the self-confidence to say, that's weird. You know, before I'd be like, oh, it was just this very passive, just along for the ride, you know? Um, And I started to have some issues with some of the stuff I was seeing in my religion. Um, I had some questions that the church had put out some essays about controversial issues in the church. I read, I had read them like three or four years before that. And I was like, wow, I'm not going to lie. That's weird. That's messed up. How come I didn't know that? You know, it definitely put some question marks in my mind. Um, but I just was like, oh, well, whatever. God knows better than me and like moved along, you know? Um, but at that point when I started to get more confident, I was like, God, that is really bothering me. I'm not gonna lie. That is definitely bothering me. What is up with that? And the biggest one was, uh, for me, finding out the founder of Mormonism, Joseph Smith had been a polygamist. Now I know you're probably like, wait, what Tara? Everybody knows Morgan Mormons were polygamists, but no, from inside the church, you know, that Brigham Young, when they got out to Utah, if you don't know anything about Mormonism, sorry, I'm going to try to speed through this as quickly as I can, but everybody knew that there were polygamists in Utah. Okay. And what we were told was that it was because a lot of the people who had traveled across the plains to get there, a lot of the men died and the women needed husbands. And so the men had to take on multiple wives to take care of the women. And it was this really beautiful story, right? That's not true. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. If you look at the census records of Utah in that time, you can easily find out that that is not true. There were actually way more men than women in Utah at that time. But, um, uh, basically for me, the, the biggest thing was finding out Joseph Smith was a, a polygamist and that he had had all these wives that n- was never talked about ever. I mean, I was as Mormon as it gets. I, Mormon as it gets. I went to the Mormon university. I was a leader. I was in leadership positions. I was a teacher in the church educating, you know, I mean, I knew church doctrine and the history of the church and all these things. And I was like, that's kind of weird that I've never heard that come up ever that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Why has this never come up? Why? That's weird. You know, and I finally started to accept that. And at this time in my life, I was the president of an organization inside each congregation of Mormonism called the young women's president, which means I was over the 12 to 18 year old girls. And I was really in it guys. You know how I go hardcore overachiever. Like, let's go all the way. Let's maximize this shit, you know? And, um, I had about 30, probably about 35 girls that I was over. And as one, I was part of this polygamy story. I saw that Joseph Smith, his first extra wife that he had taken on when he got the revelation from God that he was supposed to be a polygamist, uh, was a 14-year-old servant girl who lived in their house. And I'm looking at these 14-year-old girls that I'm working with, and I'm like, I mean, I know this was the 1800s, but that's still weird. Like, this is like a little girl. Like, she's so little. Like, she's so young. She's so naive and easily impressionable. So impressionable, you know? I was just like, I couldn't shake it. It was bothering me. And I went to a girl's camp where a girl was pretending to be Emma Smith and this little faith walk thing. Oh, that's Joseph Smith's wife. 
um, on this faith walk. And she had mentioned that she had eloped with Joseph when he was living in her house, working for her dad and her dad didn't like him. So that's why they eloped. And I was like, wait a minute, see where the confidence and the critical thinking are starting to come in. I was like, what's up with that? Wait. So he lived in her house and the dad didn't like him. And then they eloped and then they got married. And then he got some revelation of God that he was supposed to marry this 14 year old. And then like, wait, what? So I started to question for the first time in my life. I started to question something that I had been like, I had said, I knew it was true thousands of times, thousands of times guys over the course of my life. I had taught about this. I had just done a youth conference down in central Utah. It's this called the Mormon miracle pageant. It's all about Joseph Smith. And I had been telling them about how much Joseph Smith was a prophet and all that. I mean, I had, I had, um, made affirmations about this stuff my entire life, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. So for me to question something that I had said I knew was the truth thousands of times took a lot of balls. Okay. It took a lot of courage. It took a lot of like, oof, uh, being willing to question yourself, which I had never, ever been before getting healthy. And so I wanted an answer. I wanted to know why MSMS dad didn't like Joseph. I'm like, why, what's up with this guy? I wanted some insights into his character. I couldn't find anything in Mormon records. And they tell you not to look at anything outside of the church or Satan's going to deceive you, which is, I'm sorry to say, I don't mean to offend anybody, but that is fucking bullshit. And I will swear that is fucking bullshit. That is so like blatant manipulation. That is, I cannot stand by that. That would be like me telling somebody to do some crazy diet that I'm telling them to do. And don't you dare look at anything else anyone else has to say, or Satan's going to get you and deceive you because I'm right. Like, mm -mm, that is not cool. So um, anyway, I finally decided to find an answer. So I, the first time that I clicked on a website off of Google, that wasn't LDS.org. <laughs> I've, I've shared this analogy, but I have to share it again in this episode. If you have seen the movie Divergent, it's like a teen sci-fi series with books. I read the books too <laughs> back when I was a Mormon stay-at-home mom. But in the movie, this girl is divergent, okay? There's all these little camps. People are supposed to belong to these little like ways of thinking and these, you know, but she's divergent. She doesn't think like, she doesn't, she's not buying into it. She sees through it. And they put her in this simulation, this like dream state. And she just all of a sudden in the simulation, she's in a glass tank of water and she's in it. So there's no air. So she can't breathe. It's fully filled with water. And she's freaking out a little bit. And she doesn't know how she's going to get out of it. And all of a sudden she looks at the glass and she like taps it. And she can see that when she taps it, the glass starts to break. And she's like, oh. And so she starts tapping it more and, she, and it all breaks and she comes flooding out. And that is exactly how I felt when I clicked that link on Google. That was something else. I was breaking the rules. I was not doing what I was supposed to. And I found so much. This was, I, I'm, I'm spending some time on this part of my journey because this was where I first, I, 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 again, I'm not trying to offend Mormons. I just, I have to speak my journey the way I experienced it. So if you take offense, I'm sorry, like that's <laughs> a personal choice, but I, I have to share my journey the way I experienced it. And for me, those, the next three weeks that ensued were me breaking out of the matrix. That is exactly what it felt like. It felt like my entire life had been built on deceit and lies and control and manipulation. And I was finally seeing it. It felt like I had Stockholm. I felt like I had been part of Stockholm syndrome. I felt like I had loved my mental and emotional captor because I loved being Mormon. 
I loved, I was happy, 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 you know? And when I started to see what actually was going on and let me tell you for anybody, if anybody is Mormon listening to this, and I'm not trying to like make you not be Mormon. I have no interest in that at all. You can do whatever the freak you want with your life. It is your journey. I'm telling you, like I was so, um, what's the word paranoid about Satan getting me and being deceived that every single thing that I read, I would go fact check it, verify it. Cause so if it said, it said, it says this in the history of the church itself, volume four, page 182, I would go to LDS.org, open up history of the church, volume four, page 182. And I'd be like, holy shit, it does say that, but they never talk about that. Right. It was that kind of stuff over and over and over. It's all verified. It's all out there. It's just, it was just hidden for me. And I realized I had been told a story that sounds believable and nice. That is not the whole freaking story. Right. And so it was just like, it, it, I was obsessed for three weeks. I just couldn't stop. Like, I was like, Oh my God. I mean, it was literally the whole, like my whole life is a lie. It's like funny. Ha ha. No, that's what I went through. <laughs> it was a lot. It was very overwhelming. It was very disappointing. I went through like basically all the stages of grief, you know, um, and eventually I, after a few weeks, I summoned up the courage to talk to my now ex-husband about it. And he was actually really receptive and looked into it too. And we went on this, you know, kind of bender of like, you've got to be kidding me. If anybody, if any of my ex-Mormon friends are listening, you know what that journey is like. It, if you, if you went out the way I did by learning stuff and like looking into it, it's like, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. So that was the first stage of my awakening. And I share this in this whole journey of like my health and my personal story, because I feel like getting healthy and my brain working all the way gave me the ability to question myself, gave me the ability to create new neural pathways in my brain. Truly, when you work out consistently and you eat healthy food and you decrease neuroinflammation and you increase BDNF, which makes you more neuroplastic, not to mention the dopamine boost that I'm getting that helps with critical thinking, right? So it was just like, I was able to finally get there. That is why I'm so grateful to health, to getting healthy. That's why I'm so passionate about helping people not to get them out of religions. That's not, I'm not in that business. I respect anybody's path that feels aligned to them. But the ability, the, the canvas of your brain when you're healthy to be able to get into a life that is more aligned for you is incredible. It's so powerful. It helps so much. So that was my first step. Unfortunately, the next step was realizing, having to have the honest realization with myself that I had only been in my marriage for as long as I had because of the church, because of you know, when you get more married, when you're Mormon in their temples, it's your highest covenant with God. So getting divorced is breaking your promise to God. I wasn't willing to do that, even though I was not happy in my marriage from pretty much the whole time. I found ways to cope with it. My saying that I said in my mind was you made your bed, you got to lay in it. Right. But my first year of marriage, I no offense to my ex-husband at all. It's not his fault. Um, we have a great co-parenting relationship now, but like, I realized that I had made a choice that was out of alignment with myself and I had no way out is how I felt. Okay. The golden hand handcuffs thing. And so I cried every day. I'd walk around campus down at Southern Utah university and I would just start crying every single day for at least a year. I was just like, there's nothing you can do about this, you know? And it's just, I knew it, I knew it was not aligned for me at all. I would have dreams that I hadn't gotten married 
And then I would wake up and reality was the nightmare and, and it's not his fault. Yeah. There was, you know, there was tension for sure, but it wasn't, it's not that it's just, yeah. I was having to deal with the fact that I had gone along with a choice that I felt like I was supposed to do instead of what I actually wanted to do. So that was that. <laughs> and so as I got stronger mentally and emotionally, I was able to admit to myself, like, I am not happy. I am not happy. And there's more to it. I just don't want to get into it out of respect for the father of my children. But I just, yeah, the love was completely gone. Not like 1%, like gone completely. It had been for many years for me, but I had been trying to force myself to make it, (laughs) make it be there, but it wasn't. Um, And so now three months after leaving Mormonism, which is a story in and of itself. And I have a YouTube video about that. If you guys want to watch that whole thing, I'm not going to get into it here, but it was unbelievably traumatizing leaving Mormonism. I'll put it that way. I had a panic attack. I've never had one before or after I lost everyone. I knew I was gossip central. Um, it was insane. So, um, now after that whole thing, three months later, I'm now deciding to get divorced. I mean, it was like, I had dropped a nuke on my life, but I knew I knew, I knew, I, I knew that I was choosing alignment. I knew that deep in my soul and it was terrifying, terrifying. Um, especially with four kids. I mean, it was just unreal. Um, and I am so grateful to that past version of myself for having the strength to listen to that intuitive nudge. It was like, you have to do this. You have to do this. And you know what I'll share with you guys. I had an intuitive lightning bolt. This is after I left the church, which for me personally, I got way more spiritual, way more in tune with, you know, kind of what Mormons call the Holy Ghost, like it way more tapped into that, like intuitive nudges after I left. And I had this lightning bolt and it was like you, because I was scared to get divorced. Obviously, if anyone's been through that, it's real scary, especially after what I just went through. I was like, oh, can I handle another gossip wildfire? And like, what other people are going to think? And my kids having to go through this and me. And I, you know, I was a part-time personal trainer at a box gym after work, being a stay-at-home mom for 10 years when I'm making this decision. Okay, guys. So lots of levels of fear. Um, But I had this lightning bolt and it was just, what I heard was you have a special role to play in health. And if you do not get this divorce, you will never see it through. And I thought I was going crazy at the time. I was like, okay, maybe I'm getting schizophrenia. (laughs) I got delusions of grandeur and stuff, but I had like my, my first Instagram, which deleted is deleted, but my, it it was picking up fast. And I kind of knew I could kind of see some momentum going there. Um, and I never told anybody that until I actually got some traction in the health industry because <laughs> I was like, okay, I wasn't crazy. That actually was like an intuitive thing, but I knew that it was true because I had such bad people pleasing skills in my marriage that I knew that me going after my dreams would be too much of an inconvenience to my family. And I would back off. I know I full well, that's the environment that I was in and I knew it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, I was in a relationship in which I was not in love with my partner at all. And so I had to make that decision. I'm going to try, let's see, how long are we in this thing? I don't even know. Sorry. This might be a long one guys. Hopefully you stay along for the ride, but the next biggest thing I have to share, I'm sharing these things because I know that they are common things that a lot of people have been through. So, um, my next biggest thing was now I'm a new personal trainer, recently divorced, uh, recently got a new lease on life by getting out of religion. And I, um, I met a guy really quickly who, 
Um, it turned into one of those post-divorce real fast and furious, <laughs> intense relationships. And I'm going to kind of skim over this one as much as I can. Um, but in a nutshell, um, I had not overcome any of my people pleasing patterns at all. <laughs> and I basically just refilled the church telling me what to do. My ex-husband telling me what to do all this stuff with him. So I just basically did whatever he said. And, um, I own that, you know, I've been through a lot of work on this and, you know, at first I was very victimized because I lost everything as a result of this relationship. At the end of this relationship, I walked away with my life savings gone. Um, I had to ask my ex-husband to take my kids for a little while because I literally didn't have a penny to my name. I was going through a bankruptcy because I, he was showing me the ropes of entrepreneurship and he had a bankruptcy. So he was talking to me into opening all my credit cards and he's going, you know, and I mean, obviously I agreed to all of this. So I own that, but I walked away with a bankruptcy about to lose my car and had to ask, ask my ex-husband to take my kids, which he then refiled. So I lost child support and alimony only a year and a half after getting divorced, being a stay-at-home mom for 10 years and not a penny in my name and no clients at the time, no job, nothing. So that was scary. <laughs> um, a friend of mine, I was couch surfing a little bit with strangers. Literally, it was very humbling. And a friend of mine um, actually let me stay with him in his like guest area of his house. And um, I started doing some work for a friend and, and I slowly picked the pieces back up. Um, I'm going to try to kind of try to like fast forward into the real journey. And the real journey was um, after I was working for this friend, um, he suddenly had to cut me down to part time. It was December. And this is very recent guys. This was December, 20, 2018. December, 2018, 2018. Um, so not even four years ago at the time of recording this. Um, and he, he had to come in here at halftime. It's December. It's Christmas time. I had just gotten enough money to live in a basement, a two bedroom basement apartment. Couldn't even have my kids back yet. I just had them on the weekends because it's so small and cramped. And I was, that wasn't even enough money for me to make it through the month. I had no savings yet. The bankruptcy had just finalized. I was like just about to finalize. Like it was crazy. And so I, um, I had a decision to make at that time. And it was, you can either continue on with this entrepreneurial journey thing that you're doing with health and fitness, or you can just get a real job and just like, let it all go. And so I chose that one. I chose the second one. I, um, I fully admit, I was like, you know what, Tara, like, I think you probably did go crazy. I think you've just been delusional this whole time and you need to just like get your head in, in line and you need to get a real job and get a retirement and a 401k and like, let the, all this stuff go. And I got a job at a dentist office. I was going to be a dental assistant. I think they were going to train me. And this is after I'd already been coaching for, you know, what, probably three years of coaching at this point. Um, I was gonna let it all go. And I drove around in a daze. I drove around depressed. I was seriously numb. I was so depressed. I couldn't even like talk. <laughs> and I remember I went and bought my scrubs at Walmart and they didn't even have the cute form fitting scrubs. So I had to buy the big boxy ones, <laughs> barely even had money to get them. And I just, I didn't have my kids that weekend. And I went home and I just went out in nature and I just sat in silence a lot. And I went to the gym the next morning and I, I, I'll never forget this moment. I, um, I was getting on the leg press 
see that dopamine, that dopamine ramps up. I get a lot of epiphanies in the gym. And I just heard this, don't quit now. You are so close. Don't give up. Don't give up. Do not give up. And I, I felt the truth of it. It was like that first lightning bolt when I went through my divorce. And so something, something ignited inside of me. And I emailed the dentist's office, told him, thank you very much. I'm actually not going to take the job. And I got into solutions focused, baby. I just started, I went like beautiful mind, like writing all over all these papers, making plans. I just, my soul came back online. I came on fire. I was like looking for solutions, looking at the resources that I already had, reaching out to gyms that I had already had, had already turned me down the train there. I'm um, seeing, I could do group things. I could Shoot, take on clients again. I haven't been doing that in a while. Like it's like I had forgotten all these resources that I had. And within guys, within three months, within three months, I had a waiting list on clients. I was making, let's see, at that time when they pulled me, when they put me on halftime on this other job that had been my safety net, on month three, I had made four times as much money as I did on the halftime of that other job. And I was able to slowly transition out of that, which worked for them too, my friend. And I just, that's when, so January, 2019, actually, I guess, December, 2018 is when everything that you're seeing now got online less than four years ago, right? I had coaching experience. I had done stuff with my crazy, you know, partner, (laughs) Um, but I had not done anything on my own like this. And it was a moment of you. I felt like, um, actually, it was the day that my friend broke to me that they were going to have to put me at halftime. And it was on my daughter's birthday, November 28th, I remember. And on December 1st, I was supposed to get paid for a whole month, guys. So now in two days, you're going to get half of what you usually get. And it's not even enough to live off of. And you have no savings, no way to get a credit card, no family who can help you, no child support, no alimony, no nothing. You have no nothing. You have no way to get anything except effing do it. And it, I got home that day and my friend, I'll give a shout out coach Brian Nunez, who I love on Instagram. If you don't follow him, you really should. He is absolutely incredible. Um, Brian had put a little post that said, sometimes you just got to break the branch so you can fly. And I will never forget that moment. I was in the little kitchen of my little basement apartment that I affectionately renamed my launch pad. So I was like, I'm building my whole life out of this little basement apartment. I'm so grateful for this little launch pad. <laughs> And that's what, it, that's what it felt like. It was like a baby bird. And it was like, you're either going to die or you're going to fly. And I chose fly. And um, I, I share that whole story because I want you to know that, that what you're seeing now, you know, like fit Tara, that's running her business and blah, 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 and has a podcast and wrote books and speaks and all this stuff, running retreats. I want you to know where I, where I came from. And I share that with you because if you have something inside of you, if you have pain that you've been through, you have traumatic experiences you've been through, you've been overweight your whole life or you're overweight now all of a sudden you never have been before. You hate your job or you're in an unhappy relationship. I'm not saying you have to take the same path I did, but I am telling you that if you will listen to that little voice inside of you, keep listening to it, keep leaning on it and just like trust it, trust it, try trusting it on something little try trusting it again, try trusting again. This is the path that I have been on by aligning with myself and being able to admit to myself that I was out of alignment. I was out of alignment with the way I was eating. I was out of alignment with the way I was treating my body. I was out of alignment with my whole framework for life and my religion. I was with, I was out of alignment with myself. I was out of alignment in my marriage. That sucked to admit so bad. I was out of alignment when I even got in a new relationship. I hadn't healed anything. And I thought I was all like cool and figured out my life and broke through from the matrix. 
no girl, you still had so much work to do. And the universe was like, we're going to slam you again. You got it. <laughs> so you wake up because the result of that relationship and losing everything I had, it sh- I had no choice, but to admit that the results I was getting in my life were centered in me. It was like, you got to look at this girl. You got to look at this. Your results are centered in you. So I went freaking ham. Um, thankfully, Catherine Dixon from Clarity Coaching, my friend Drew Manning referred me to her. Um, thankful forever to Drew for even he gifted me my, my first session with her because he knew I was struggling and he knew I needed it. Forever grateful to him. And um, Catherine, man, she really changed my life. She does the work of Byron Katie. If you're going through a big transition, I really recommend the work of Byron Katie. Um, and you know, just magic started happening. Magic. Within months, I was being invited to high-level masterminds, um, world-class coaches wanting to train the, trade their mindset coaching for my health coaching, um, just so many doors opening. It was ridiculous. And that's what happened when I got into alignment. When you are out of alignment, everything is hard. Everything is hard. When you are in alignment with yourself, which your soul is pinging you all the time, it's all the time. It's like, when are you going to listen? When are you going to listen? And you listen and you do the brave thing. I had to do a lot of brave things, a lot of brave things. I didn't even talk to you guys about the healing of my relationship with my body, which a lot of that came through the work of Byron Katie, through doing the deep mindset work, through doing plant medicines, which I didn't really get into, but those were introduced to me by the crazy narcissist guy that I dated. And thankfully, you know, it was all part of my path for a reason. They helped me so much. They didn't help me enough. They weren't enough by themselves because I was still in that very unhealthy relationship, but they opened up a lot of me. And then I combined it with deep mindset work and coaches and things. Oh my gosh. Healed my relationship with my body. Um, became so much more self-loving with myself, my children, you know, my priorities got shifted. You know, I got out of this wounded proving it wasn't about me anymore. Once I healed my relationship, healed my heart, you know, I didn't need to prove anymore. I, I had it. I had love for myself so I could go out and serve in a non-needy energy. I was just like, yeah, actually I would love to help you, you know, like, ma'am, it's been a hell of a journey. And I'm, I share that all with you guys because the, the catalyst for me was getting healthy. It changed my whole freaking life. I really, truly believe, I know actually, I, I, there's a bunch of details I haven't shared with you, but I know for sure. I mean, unless some other crazy, huge thing happened, I, I wouldn't, be here. I wouldn't be on this podcast. I, I I don't even think I don't wouldn't I don't think I'd be health coaching. None of this. All the beautiful experiences I had with my clients that are like make me yes, made me want to cry. Like I know I don't share a lot on social, but about my clients because it's like those relationships are so sacred to me. I like feel weird putting it on social media, but we have had some incredible life transformations and higher. And like, none of that, none of that I would be able to be part of if I hadn't listened, if I hadn't had the courage to get in alignment, no matter how hard it is, you know? So yeah, health, getting healthy, listening to those little pings inside of you, making brave choices to get in alignment with yourself as you grow, making difficult choices. It's so worth it. So anyway, I know I kind of rambled. <laughs> Hopefully you guys got some value out of that today and uh, much love. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inside Out Health Podcast. I hope this episode served as inspiration and something that you needed to hear in your life. If you have a friend or family member that you think would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. And also please subscribe. I have so many more amazing guests coming. I have just been so gifted and honored to meet so many incredible health professionals in my career, and I cannot wait to share their messages with you guys. So please subscribe. And if you could be so kind as to rate my show, I would really appreciate it. This This podcast is honestly an intuitive call to me to help spread goodness to the world. And so if you guys can help me do that, I would really appreciate it. If you want more info on this guest, pop over to my website, check out my podcast section, and you can get links to everything we talked about in the show um, and find out more about this guest and what, where you can go from here. Make sure you're also following me on Instagram. Uh, That is my most active platform. You can find me at coach Tara Garrison. You can also find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Everything is coach Tara Garrison across the board. And then, yeah, if you want to send me a message, guys and let me know other guests or other topics you want to hear on the show please let me know I am here to serve you so I would love to hear from you would love your feedback on the show and if you share any of these episodes please tag me on social media it's coach Tara Garrison 